Welcome to Behind the Fiction, the book lovers podcast, where we deliver interviews, insights, and ideas to passionate book lovers who want to stay in the stories they love. I'm Alexa Larberg, and this is episode 46 for January 9th, 2020. Today's guest is Charlie Case, and we're discussing the Adventures of Finnegan Dragonbender series. This series has been a hit from the very first book. Charlie is interesting, his story is interesting, and the way he started writing is interesting. You're going to love this interview, so make sure you're subscribed to both our YouTube and our podcast so you don't miss a thing. Now, let's get to the show. Charlie Case, welcome to Behind the Fiction. Thanks for having me. We had the opportunity to meet in Las Vegas uh, back in November at the 20 Books Conference. It was great to meet you, uh, and I just saw you all over the place. What did you think of the conference? I love it. It's it's actually the third conference I went to. Um, I, I kind of started out in, in uh, London, and then I've been to two in Vegas. So it's always amazing. You know, it's it's all about meeting people and talking to, you know, great folks like you and, and uh, just meeting up with, with other authors and see what they're doing. Now, why London first? Um, so <clears throat> it's a bit of a story, but basically my wife, um, at the time, my girlfriend got a job in California and we lived in Ohio. Uh-huh. And uh, so I decided, screw it, I'm, I'm getting out of here. So I sold my house and moved to California with her. And uh, in LA, it's really hard to get a job. And so I could not for the life of me find a job because uh-huh. I just didn't know anyone there. So she told me, she said, you know, I'm, I'm making great money. Why don't you, you've always wanted to write a book. Why don't you write a book? Oh, nice. So I said, all right. So I did. And uh, I just happened to find out about 20 books um, in November. So it was like three days before the Vegas conference. The and that was the first Vegas conference. The first that was the very first one. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I tried to get in, but it was far too late. And, you know, Craig was really nice about it, but he was basically like, Sorry, Really? Craig no was actually nice about it? Yeah, he was actually nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he told me that they were going to do something in London, uh, you know, like I think two months later or a month uh-huh. later or something like that. And so at that point, I had not written any books um, or anything. And uh, I just decided, screw it. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to meet these people. They seem to know what they're talking about. And so I did, and it kind of took off from there. So it was – I went to London because I couldn't get into Vegas. All right. I thought that might be the answer, but uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good choice though. I I ended up uh, meeting a lot of people, got a lot of contacts and I've written a lot of books just because of that. So. Yeah. Which is, which is amazing. And the whole point of the 20 books to the 50 K conference. And uh, yeah, it's great to always talk to another success story from that conference. So let's, let's talk a little, let's spin it forward three years to uh, when we met in November, you were working on a new series. Probably the first book was already done. I'm guessing by November. Uh, I think I actually, <laughs> I actually finished the third book while we were there. Okay. So the first right. two were done. And then the third one I, I actually sent off to uh, LMBPN at, um, on the last day of the conference. All right. And the uh, the first book, which was released on December 27th, has done unbelievably well. Uh, you know, a great launch for the series. The title is Return of the Dwarf King. Can mm-hmm. you tell us just a little bit about the series? Uh, so it takes place in a new world called Ternavas. Um, uh Martha Carr has already written uh, two series in that 
kind of she's starting them out and uh we were just we happened to be talking one time and the joke was what if dwarves were actually tall right like everyone <laughs> writes dwarves as short and ugly and everything else and and so we just kind of were riffing on this idea of what if dwarves were actually really tall and everyone else was telling these stories that they're short and ugly because they just didn't like dwarves, right? <laughs> so it kind of spun off from there. And um, she really wanted to work with me on a, on a series. And, you know, I've, I've been wanting to work with her too. And it just kind of meshed really well. And we decided, hey, let's, let's give this a shot. So the idea is there are no dwarves in Terranovas. He's the only one there. And he kind of shows up and he's, it's kind of the fish out of water, you know, thing. He expects one thing and finds a completely different world. And so it's kind of the story of a guy who thinks he knows what's going on, but doesn't know what's going on. And so it's it's kind of him tripping through life kind of thing. And and he has plenty of adventures along the way. And this is Finnegan, aka is Finnegan, Finn. Yeah. 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 And uh, he's got a he's got a little partner who's a uh, fairy dragon. She's very snarky and um it's kind of interesting because I, I decided to go with the fact that only he can understand her. So she says terrible things about people right in front of them. <laughs> and he's the only one who knows it. So it's a lot about his reaction and uh, things like that. But, uh, and the idea was, you know, he's, he's a fighter, you know, he's, he's strong and he's loyal and he's, he's tough. And so Penny has to be the brains, you know, Penny's the dragon. And uh -huh. so she's, she's kind of the brains of the operation, which I think makes for a pretty, it's kind of that classic Laurel and Hardy, you know, feeling uh -huh. where we're, she's a bit of the straight man, always kind of getting them to go, or I guess he would be the straight man, and she's always kind of getting them in trouble just with her ideas. So it was, it was just a fun idea, and, and I, th I think it works really, really well. It, and the uh, dragon is, I mean, the dwarf is huge. I, I see your, your sidekick yeah. is, is joining yeah. us. So uh, <laughs> what's the cat's name, that particular cat? Uh, that cat is Orion. Orion? So Orion, yeah, okay. he has two sisters, Borealis and uh, Aurora. So okay, Aurora so Borealis. A little Orion. bit of a theme going there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we've got a we've got a large dwarf, a huge dwarf, and mm -hmm. the dragon is small, right? Yeah, so the dragon's very small, only you know maybe a foot and a half long, um, and she's. Uh, so he tells everybody that she's. <laughs> Tells everybody she's just some exotic lizard that he found from darkest Peru kind of thing, uh, <laughs> playing on the Paddington bear idea. Uh -huh. So, uh, but yeah, so he kind of takes her around. He's, he's made a little vest for her that's, you know, a little service animal vest so he can take her into bars and things like that. And <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. So. <laughs> and so let, let's talk through, because I'm always curious how these ideas come up. I mean, you, you kind of, glossed over it well you know we kind of had this idea and that idea what was it actually like to just sit down and when you were coming up with the ideas for the story what came first the the world was obviously already in place so yeah. was it a story idea or characters that were going to drive whatever it was you came up with as a story idea it was definitely the characters um <clears throat> I could say that these characters themselves could probably exist in any world, but they work especially well in this world uh, that she created with Terranovas um, because it was still so new and fresh. We mm -hmm. hadn't really laid out a lot of lines as to what's here, what exists, things like that. And so it really helped uh, to make him the only one um, <laughs> because 
<clears throat> it really lets uh, lets people play on the stereotype of a dwarf. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So. <laughs> one of the first lines in, in the book is he lands on earth and uh, some guy in the back hills picks him up you know he's walking on the side of the road he picks him up and you know he says he says something about him being a dwarf and the guy's like man you can't say that I think they I think they like to call little people <laughs> he's just like what are you talking about you know and, and so it really works well as as the only character there but it's definitely character driven um, the idea of the characters was far before we decided to put them in this world okay um so yeah it, it you know and it just came about from sitting down at her in her kitchen we were i just happened to be in uh austin for a wedding and so i was staying at her house and um so just one night we just started talking you know what if this happened what if, what would this be like and you know we just started ripping back and forth for a couple hours and pretty soon we've got finn we've got penny and you know a couple other characters and it, it just kind of all fell together very cool. So how many, when, when you and Martha were discussing this around the kitchen table in Austin, how many other books had you written by that time? Uh, let's see, uh, two, three, four, six, six or seven that okay. I had out. Mostly uh, sci-fi, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, my first series is science fantasy. So okay. it's magic, magic in space. So magic has always kind of been a part of my thing. Um, uh -huh. And I've, written a couple of the books with Justin Sloan okay. that are superhero, but they're also science fiction. So it's futuristic superhero kind of stuff. So kind of along the same line. So magic has always been a big influencer for everything I write, kind of regardless of the genre I'm writing in. So urban fantasy honestly just seemed like the next best step. It was, yeah. I mean, even my science fantasy, when I look back, it really was urban fantasy. It just happened to be on a spaceship. Uh huh. Kind of so, yeah. I mean, but at that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she's not camera shy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's most of my books were in the sci-fi bend, I guess. When you started writing, did you have a real sense of genre and and how tightly contained some of these genres can be? Um, not. Not to the degree that they are. I mean, I've most writers have always been readers. I, I've been an avid reader my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, I usually, I mean, I usually before I started writing, I would read three, maybe four books a week, mm -hmm. and so I was kind of all over the place. And you can find these small genres, you know, like space fantasy and stuff like that from way back. You know, I mean, technically Star Wars is space fantasy. It's wizards in space, right? So mm -hmm. it's not a new concept by any means, but I am starting to find when I, when I really got into the space fantasy, I realized how much of a niche it was um, there. Yeah. The niches I'm finding are narrowing and narrowing and narrowing and people just want to read that. And so it becomes difficult when you're just kind of freelance, you know, mm -hmm. freeform out there. You know, I was like, ah, I like magic. I like space. Let's do this thing. And like, it didn't, it doesn't really fall into a really hard genre at this point. It's kind of epic fantasy. It's kind of space opera, but it's also a little military. Like, so yeah, it's, um, I, I think finding genre nowadays is a lot harder than it used to be. Um, where if I, if I had written this in the seventies, we mm -hmm. just call it sci-fi and be done with it. Right. 
you know, and, and now you have to kind of cater to these tight genres that have started popping up everywhere. Do you feel like this, this, is, this is your first foray into urban fantasy, right? Yeah. Do you feel like this is something that you're going to want to continue in or are you going to expand and try different things? Yeah, I'm definitely going to continue in this. Um, I really, when I started writing urban fantasy, it clicked with me really, really well. Um, I really like science fiction. I really like the math of science fiction and the physics. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I went to school to be a, a mechanical engineer. So like when it comes to the physics of it, I love it. And so that's a little difficult for me to give up. But I think the way I tell stories fits urban fantasy mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. better than anything else. So when I wrote the first Finn book, I flew through that thing. I mean, it was so easy and it just came right out. Um, so yeah, I think I'm definitely going to stick with urban fantasy, but at the same time, I still want to, you know, I still want to do a project here and there that might be sci-fi or space fantasy. So the second book came out on January 2nd, uh, 2020. That's Hunt for the Dwarf King. Third book you said you had finished in November. So that's coming out pretty soon. I should have looked at the calendar. I would guess it's in a week or so. Yeah, I think it comes out on the 22nd. Okay. All right. So a couple weeks yet, and you're working on book four now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so book four will be done very soon. And uh, I think that comes out next month, like on the 13th or something like that. Now, when you were writing uh, with Justin or writing on your own, did Mm -hmm. is is there anything different about writing in the LMBPN world than what you were used to doing before? Uh, yes, there is a lot more information with now that I'm writing with LMBPN and Martha and, uh, this it's, um, when I, when I was writing with Justin, um, it was more of a, here's an idea, let's go with it. Mm -hmm. And so details were kind of amorphous a little bit and we just kind of did what I wanted and you know, we, we kind of got it, we got to it eventually. Um, where here, writing, writing with LMBPN, with Martha, um, I have access, you know, to people that have, you know, the answers I need, you know. Mm-hmm. So writing in a big world is difficult because you don't always know, well, did somebody already talk about this? Like, am I stepping on someone's toes? Like, is this a rule that I'm breaking? And writing with LMBPN, I can actually, you know, get on the Slack channel and say, Hey, what happens when this, you know, this happens mm-hmm. and somebody knows the answer, you know, there's, there's somebody that's read all the books and they know the answer. And, and so it's kind of like having a little story Bible, but it's with auto lookup almost. So it's pretty nice. <laughs> that's well put. That's, it, are you enjoying like being part of, of the LMBPN community? And that's sort of a leading question, but the whole idea of the Slack group and there are all these people in there, and so many people who have been writing on their own, it, it can be a solitary thing. And then all of a sudden you're thrown in with this big group of people that are a, a lot like you. Right. Yeah, it's um, absolutely. I mean, writing is a solitary art. You know, it's uh, my uncle has been writing for years and years and he's just one of those guys that sits by himself and does it in the basement. And uh-huh. he says, I never write alone. I've always got all my characters with me. And that's true you know, you do have the characters there talking and, you know, you, you feel like you're interacting, but you're not, you know, you, you really need that personal interaction. And I think it really helps having a large group like this that you can bounce ideas off of and, um, you know, just 
people saying hello and, you know, or if he needs a, a sprinting partner or something like that. It, I think it helps a lot. It, it makes the process uh, enjoyable instead of something you have to get through. Mm. One of the things that's not unique to LMBPN, but is a part of almost every LMBPN book is the author notes at the end. Is that something yeah. you were doing before you, you started writing for LMBPN? That is something I tried to do. Um, I don't think I really understood what, I don't think I understood the importance of them. They're, I think they're truly important now that I see uh, the effects they have on people and you mm -hmm. know, comments and reviews about, you know, people mention particularly author notes. You know, it's, it's, um, it really connects the reader to the writer. And I honestly, I think that sells more books than anything. You know, if you, if you can connect to your writers, then they like you. And if they like you, they want to support you. And if they want to support mm -hmm. you, they buy your books. Um, now, that being said, I don't write my author notes as a way to sell more books. It's a fantastic way to just, you know, let people in on, on what it's like. You know, what, what did you struggle with with this book or things like that? And it's, I think it's a, a fantastic tool that LMBPN implements very, very well. And it's, it's fascinating to me because I read every set of author notes uh, for every book and the, the way different people approach it differently. Martha has a very unique, very open, uh, this is what's going on in my life, no matter what it is. Right. Uh, kind of, kind of a appeal or approach with her author notes. Uh, Michael's tend to be kind of funny and, you know, sort of reporting on what's happening, but every so often, you know, some, some nitty gritty. And in the early days, he talked a lot about business of writing the early books that he was doing and how they were doing. Um, right. What's, what's your approach for, for author notes? Um, I don't know yet. I mean, I've really only written for the first three Finn books, what I consider actual author notes. Mm -hmm. um, so far, I just kind of start typing and whatever comes, comes kind uh -huh. of thing. Um, it's usually something that, that happened while I was writing that really impacted me. Um, you know, I, I tend to want, um, I tend to be very calm in my life. And so... I could sense that about you. <laughs> uh, well, that calmness plays out in interesting ways with people. You know, sometimes you, you get into an argument with someone and, and that me just staying calm, just the argument just fizzles out. And it's, uh -huh. it's kind of a nice thing. And so I, I tend to get uh, interesting views, I think, on personal interactions with people. So I, I tend to write about things like that. Okay. Um, I just want to, I want people to feel better about themselves. You know, it's, it's a hard world. We don't need to be rough and tumble all the time sometimes you just got to accept that you know things are the way they are and it's okay i like that so, yeah. so we started this story out with with you saying three years ago you guys moved to la mm -hmm. and your wife had this job you weren't able to 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 find the job you wanted in in la and you were going to decide she said it's okay go ahead and try and write these books so yeah. fast forward three years later you've got sounds like double digits books under your belt now? I think, uh, yeah, I think Finn might be, the second Finn might be the 10th book. Okay. And so uh, are you still living in LA? No, we actually got out of there, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> nothing against, well, 
I understand why people like LA. I personally hate the place. I can't, it's just too many people. And, you know, yes, you can go do all these things, but you can only do one thing. It takes six hours to get anywhere and it's expensive. And just, Mm -hmm. it's just not my scene. Uh, My wife's either. And so a job opened up in Boise. And so we grabbed onto it and we moved here. She loves the job. We bought a house. It's, it's a fantastic place to live. So yeah, we're down in Boise, Idaho. I have I have friends that live in Boise. Cost of living is pretty reasonable there. There's yeah. there are a lot of things to do there as well. Yeah. Just more outdoorsy type things. Yeah, yeah. If I want to go skiing, 45 minutes away is a ski resort. So it's, so uh, three years later, is your wife happy that she decided to encourage you to write? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I was <laughs> I was pretty miserable. So now that you know, now that I'm actually writing and and uh, oh my goodness, this cat. Uh, yeah, now that I'm actually writing and um, having a good time, you know, every day is, is great. Uh, it, I think it's really helped her just, you know, because when you're in a bad mood, you know, that transfers and, you mm-hmm. know, when you can't find a job, it puts you in a bad mood. And So, yeah, she's very happy. Um, I mean, the money's not bad, so that helps. And then, uh, but the fact that I'm home and I can take care of everything and I love to cook, so I always cook dinner and, you know, it's just, Big bonus. Nice. Yeah, big yeah, bonus. Yeah, big bonus there. She yeah. gets a lot out of this too. <laughs> well, Charlie, what's the best place for people to, uh, where's the best place for people to track you down online? Uh, probably just Facebook, honestly, is my, uh, the big one. You can go to the Terranavas, um webpage or fam group mm-hmm. or their you know, author page. Um, I'm always on there. Uh, and then I have my personal one, just uh, charlescaseauthor.com. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best place to find me, honestly, or, you know, on Amazon, things like that. So that's a, that really is the best place to find you is on Amazon. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Charlie, congratulations on all the success with this new series. It it is uh, phenomenal. I I checked the the first book today still has that little orange sticker next to it, which is fantastic for for those of you who don't know that denotes a bestseller. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all really happy for you and can't wait to see what you are, are going to do next. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next, too. All right, <laughs> I'm always for excited here. for it. Thank you.